Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am Janice Leibovitz, and you are my People of the Book. And it's getting to that time of year. Things are slowing down, and people are making their holiday plans. Well, they've made their holiday plans. They're getting ready for their holidays. And things are generally winding up. So I thought this would be an appropriate time to wind up the year in books. There is still another show next week. But um, I thought it would be a good time if people are planning their holiday reads, what they're going to read during this holiday period. So I put the question out there to people. What were their favorite books this year? What did they enjoy reading this year? It might be a nice idea. If people hear what other people have enjoyed this year, they might go and look for those books, something that they might enjoy reading during the holidays. And I got some fabulous responses, um, clearly some standout front runners. And thank you for all the people who did respond. I really appreciate it. There were some great lists that got sent in. And um, it was great to hear that people really still enjoy reading. And I know that... Uh, once I get talking about books, I don't stop. I could go on for days, hours. And I really do appreciate the responses. So thanks for that. One first book that I really need to, to mention. Thank you, Tracy Jacobson, for mentioning this book. Aptly named People of the Book. And thanks for the reminder of this because this is the most amazing book. Tracy says she recommends it to everyone. I remember this from one of the first book clubs I was in many, many, many years ago. And as I said, it's called People of the Book. So very appropriate to begin today's show with a chat about this book. It's by a Pulitzer Prize winning author, actually. Her name is Geraldine Brooks. Um, funnily enough, I didn't actually look up when the book was written. As I said, it's definitely not a new book. It's from many years ago. And it's... The journey of, it's about the journey of a rare illuminated manuscript through centuries of exile and war. It's actually about, it's based on a true story and it's about the famous Sarajevo, Sarajevo, I don't know how you pronounce it properly, Haggadah. And the story follows Hannah Heath, who in 1996 is an Australian rare book expert and she's offered the job of a lifetime analyzing and conserving this famed Haggadah, which has been rescued from Serb shelling during the Bosnian War. It's priceless. It's beautiful. The book is one of the earliest Jewish volumes ever to be illuminated with images. And when Hannah actually opens the book and she examines it, she discovers a series of these tiny artifacts in the ancient binding of the book. There's an insect uh, wing fragment, there are wine stains, there are salt crystals or white hair. And she slowly through the book begins to unlock the mysteries that are bound up in this book. And the reader gets taken through all the, the detail and the atmospheric past. And you go through the journey of the book through its salvation, right back to its actual creation. And you start off in Bosnia during World War II, where a Muslim actually risks his life to protect this book from the Nazis. And um, 
then you go back to Vienna where the book becomes a pawn in the struggle um, against rising anti-Semitism, then back again to Inquisition-era Venice, where a Catholic priest saves it from burning. Then in Barcelona in in 1492, the scribe who wrote the text sees his family destroyed by, by enforced exile. And in Seville in 1480, the reason for the Haggadah's extraordinary illuminations are finally disclosed. And Hannah investigates the entire history of this book. And throughout the book, you go back through history and you, you are told each story throughout the years. And as I said, it is inspired by a true story, though it is a novel. And it's an absolutely beautiful book. It's, it's, it's described as ambitious and electrifying and it is an incredible book. So, I thought it was perfect to start off my show called People of the Book, talking about this book, which is called People of the Book by Geraldine Brooks. Thanks again, Tracy, for mentioning that. I received a great list of um, book recommendations from Michelle Benetter. Thanks, Michelle. I've picked out a few of those books that you recommended. One book that you recommended actually was mentioned by a few people, and I know I've discussed it on the show before and it was definitely a standout book of the year and that was the dictionary of last words by pip williams and the book also based on fact it is a novel but based on fact speaks about the creation of the oxford english dictionary and i think for many of us once we read this book we started to think about the fact that we never actually thought about how a dictionary came into being. Well, I certainly had never thought about it. And this speaks about how the dictionary back in the the very, very early 1900s was actually created, how it got put together. And it's a story about Esme, who is born into this world where her father works in a scriptorium, which sounds very fancy, but it's a garden shed um, in Oxford, which belongs to her, the lexicographer who is in charge of the creation of this dictionary. Her father works there and the team of lexicographers who are collecting words for this dictionary. And she grows up, she starts off as a little girl and she spends her days sitting under the table and the the words come as slips of paper and a word, a slip of paper flutters to the floor and she wonders why this word has been discarded. They decided not to put it in the dictionary and the word is bond made and she starts to collect these words that are discarded. And the words that, that the men predominantly who are putting this dictionary together decide are not suitable to go into the dictionary. And it's about Esme and her friend Lizzie, who is a servant in, in the big house where, where the, this garden shed is based. And it's, it's a, it's an amazing story. It's very much about the rise of the feminist movement and it's, it's a historical story, very much so. And she starts to realize that some words 
are more important than others. And she wants to know why. She wants to know why women's experiences are going unrecorded and unrecognized. And she starts to dedicate her own life secretly to the Oxford English Dictionary. And she collects words for another dictionary, which is the Dictionary of Lost Words. And this is when the, the women's suffrage movement starts to move towards its height. The Great War is looming. And the Dictionary of Lost Words actually reveals this lost narrative that is hiding between the lines of a history that is being created by men. And it's 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 a beautiful book. Um, also, as I say, recommended by it, it came up. A lot of people recommended this. As I say, I did mention it. I, I know I mentioned it. During the year, it was mentioned um, on my show, and it's an absolutely beautiful book, The Dictionary of Last Words by Pip Williams. Um, Michelle sent in, as I say, a beautiful list. I don't have time to mention all of them. Um, the other book, one of the other books she mentioned was The Rose Code. I know I've mentioned that about three women working um, as code breakers in Bletchley Park during the war. That was by Kate Quinn, also a fabulous book historically based, again, that ties in the royal wedding of Princess Elizabeth and Prince Philip at the time as well, after the war. And that's a fabulous book. The other book she mentioned, which I know, I don't think I've mentioned it on the show, but I've seen a lot of um, talk about it on book groups and in the book world is Still Life by Sarah Winman, which uh, is based also in 1944. These books seem to be very popular this year, books based in the 1940s, whether before, during, or after the war. And um, I know that a lot of commentary about this book mentioned the fact that there are no quotation marks in the book around the conversations. The, the prose just flows. Some people had issues with that. Others didn't. But I know it was a very popular book. And the brief description is that it's based in Tuscany, 1944. Um, as allied troops advance and bombs are falling around deserted villages, a young English soldier by the name of Ulysses Temper finds himself in the wine cellar of a deserted villa. And he encounters a middle-aged art historian by the name of Evelyn, who has come to Italy to salvage paintings from the ruins and to also recall memories of her own youth. And they find that they are kindred spirits and it's their story. And I know that this was a very popular book. That's Still Life by Sarah Winman. You're listening to People of the Book and I am chatting about some books you might be interested in for your holiday reads. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. You are listening to People of the Book and I am Janice Leibovitz. We are doing a wrap up of this year's most popular books and I got some great suggestions from people who gave me lists of their favorite reads of the year. Um, and hopefully that's some inspiration for you for your holiday reading. As I said, some were standout front runners, a lot of people suggesting similar books, same books. So clearly people reading what they hear about online, what people are discussing out there. I got a lovely list also from Varushka Ramasamy. Thank you, Varushka. Um, a, a book that she mentioned, I actually interviewed the author 
on my show during the year was how I accidentally became a global stock photo and other strange and wonderful stories. And that was written by Shabnam Khan. And it's a great book. It's, it's amusing. Some of the stories are touching. It's part memoir. It's part tra- travelogue, part love letter. And Shabnam takes her readers on a journey around the world. She's taught people, she's taught children, actually, in a remote village in the Himalayas. Fascinating story. She attended a writer's residency where the movie The Blair Witch Project was shot. And she was also pulled out of the ocean in Turkey. She became a bride on a rooftop in Shanghai. She, the, the, the stories are quirky. They're moving. She shows her vulnerability. And she also offers an introspective reflection on what it means to be a woman and particularly a single Muslim woman trying to find herself and, and be herself in a modern world. And these stories are drawn from her own life journey, which is very unexpected, lots of twists and turns. And this was a great, great book, especially for people who I know a lot of people don't like reading novels. They don't like reading long, intense books. These are short, sharp little stories about things that have happened to Shabnam during her life. And that was a great suggestion. Another book that Varushka enjoyed, and Varushka enjoyed this, um, Rulia enjoyed this as well, and when she enjoyed this, thank you for your suggestions as well, is a book called The Tea Room. And The Tea Room is by a local author. Her name is Gretchen Haley. This was an extremely popular book. And I know that that locally, I mean, books, there's still that that kind of mental block against local books. I know I harp on about it. I'm not going to do that today. But this book is a beautiful book. It's got a gorgeous eye-catching red cover, gorgeous pics on the cover. And this is a gorgeous book about um, a man by the name of Tubby Reddy, not not the Sasko guy who, who just passed away. And he's he owns a tea room. He owns a gorgeous tea room in KwaZulu-Natal, in KZN. He... He's got this very popular tea room. It's, it's a restaurant and he's a, he's a father. He's a dreamer. He's, he's got a horrible wife and he's been working on a plan. And it, I'm not going to say what the plan is. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the month before his birthday, he starts the countdown to this plan and he's going to embark on his dream life. And needless to say, things don't go according to plan. And dreams often don't work out the way we expect them to. But this is a fabulous book. Go out and look for it. It's available in all our amazing bookshops. It's available online. It's called The Tea Room, and it's by Gretchen Haley. And lots of recommendations for that one. So thank you for all of you who recommended that. Verushka also recommended a book that I loved called The Burning Girls by C.J. Tudor. Now, if you like a bit of a thrill, a bit of a creepy, dark element to your books, The Burning Girls by C.J. Tudor will be for you. This is about a vicar who moves to a remote corner of the English countryside and discovers that he's moved actually to a community that is haunted by death and disappearances, both past and present. And 
they're going to keep those secrets to themselves. They don't want him knowing what's actually happened. So he's moved to this, this little community called Chapelcroft, where 500 years ago, eight Protestant martyrs were burnt at the stake. 30 years ago, two teenage girls disappeared without a trace. And two months ago, the vicar of the local parish, which is the vicar who he's replacing, killed himself. So Reverend Jack Brooks has moved there. He's a single parent. He's got a 14-year-old daughter. And he arrives and he's hoping to make a fresh start and find some peace. That's He finds quite the opposite. And um, there's a lot of myth and legend involved here. And they start to experience very strange, strange things start to happen. Lots of mystery, lots of suspicion, strange sightings in the chapel and ghosts that refuse to be laid to rest. And, you know, really a, an amazing book. If you, As I say, if you like that dark element in your books, The Burning Girls by C.J. Tudor is one for you. And that's from Varushka. As I say, really also Great recommendations from her. And another book that was also recommended by quite a few people was a beautiful book that I think I have mentioned on the show before, The 100 Years of Lenny and Margot by Marianne Cronin. And this is a beautiful, warm, touching book. And it's about a really um, different friendship, an extraordinary friendship and a lifetime of stories. And I'll just read you a brief description of this book. Life is short. No one knows that better than 17-year-old Lenny, who is living on the terminal ward. But as she's about to learn, it's not only what you make of life that matters, but who you share it with. Dodging doctor's orders, she joins an art class where she bumps into fellow patient Margot, a rebel-hearted 83-year-old from the next ward, and their bond is instant as they realize that together they have lived an astonishing 100 years. To celebrate this shared century, they decide to paint their life stories of growing old, staying young, giving joy, receiving kindness, losing love, and finding that person who is everything. It's an extraordinary friendship, and as their friendship deepens, it becomes clear that life is not actually done with them yet. It's an absolutely gorgeous book. It's heartwarming. It's full of hope. It's inspirational. And, <clears throat> excuse me, although the premise might sound, you know, a bit uh, heavy, you know, they're living on a terminal ward, it's, it's about the gift of friendship and, and friendship is not, has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with anything like that. And we do have an infinite capacity for friendship and love when we need them the most. That's the hundred years, the 100 years of Lenny and Margot and it's by Marianne Cronin. Gorgeous book and also lovely eye catching cover. Lots of colorful dots. Another suggestion by Rilia was a book again, with a bit of a dark element, and it's called The Push. This is by Ashley Audrain, and it's quite, it's a psychological drama about, it's a family drama about a, a experience of motherhood. You know, motherhood isn't always all it's made out to be, and it's sometimes not what is expected. And this is a book about Blythe. Uh, motherhood's not what she expected at all. She is determined that she wants to be a warm and comforting mother to her baby, Violet. 
she didn't have a warm, comforting mother herself. So she's determined to be the opposite of what she had when she was growing up. But she starts to think that there is something drastically wrong with her child. Because her child doesn't behave in the way that most children do. Her husband tells her she's imagining it and she gets dismissed. Whenever she tells someone or she hints that she's a bit worried, she gets dismissed. And then she has her son and she has an amazing connection with him that she always imagined that she would have with her child. And I want to give anything away, but the push is an absolutely riveting psychological drama of a book. It's not for the faint-hearted. That, that's my, my warning to you. So if you like that kind of thing, The Push by Ashley or Drain is, is a good read. Another highly recommended book, The Man Who Died Twice. Now, if you read the first book, this is by Richard Osman. This is the second book in the Thursday Murder Club series. And this one's highly recommended. In fact, I think I enjoyed this one more than I enjoyed the first one. And this one also came recommended by our very own Howard Feldman, who enjoyed this as well. If you read the Thursday Murder Club, and I know that some people had a bit of an issue with it. I think it's very English. And I think possibly for some South Africans that it's, it's quite difficult to come to terms with. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, please accept that I'm, I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm not being critical at all in any way. But I, I do know that there's, it's a different culture. It's a very different culture. And this is about a group of, of octogenarians who live in a retirement village and in the English countryside. And there is a very particular way that they live, a particular way that they speak. And, you know, if you, if you don't relate to it, you just don't. And there's nothing wrong with that. So this book takes place the following Thursday from when the previous book left off. And Elizabeth, who's one of our little intrepid group of murder-solving octogenarians, has received a letter from an old colleague, a man with whom she has a long history, and he's made a big mistake and needs her help. His story involves stolen diamonds, a violent mobster, and a very real threat to his life. As the bodies start piling up, Elizabeth enlists Joyce, Ibrahim, and Ron in the hunt for a ruthless murderer. I know it all sounds very Nancy Drew, but it really isn't. It's like Nancy Drew with with 85-year-olds. It's fabulous. And if they find the diamonds too, well, wouldn't that be a bonus? But this time, they're up against an enemy who wouldn't bat an eyelid at knocking off four septuagenarians. Can the Thursday murder club find the killer and the diamonds before the killer finds them? Dum, dum, dum. It's fabulous. It's just, it's, a, it's wonderful. Just buy the first one, read the first one, and then read the second one, and thank me later. Lindy Ratnicki also sent me a fabulous list. And if you know Lindy, Lindy reads a particular genre of book and follow her for book recommendations because she, she really finds them. I don't know how, but she's always the first to know what's new, what's happening on the book front. I think before me, basically. I don't know how she does that. 
Lindy sent a recommendation for a book. And if you know Lindy, if you follow Lindy, you'll know that she has been raving about this book. And I, I actually need to get this. She has been raving about a book. And this sounds like a fabulous holiday read. She has been raving about a book on every platform she can find called The Matzah Ball. It's by Jean Meltzer. And the tagline for this book is, Oi to the world. Yes, we know it's Christmas time. Joy to the world. This is Oi to the world. <laughs> I'm going to read the description of this book and hope you fall in love with it as much as I have and as much as Lindy obviously has. Rachel Rubenstein Goldblatt is a nice Jewish girl with a shameful secret. She loves Christmas. For a decade, she's hidden her career as a Christmas romance novelist from her family. Her talent has made her a bestseller, even as her, as her chronic illness has always kept the kind of love she writes about out of reach. But when her diversity-conscious publisher insists she writes a Hanukkah romance, her well of inspiration suddenly runs dry. Hanukkah's not magical. It's not merry. It's not Christmas. Desperate not to lose her contract, Rachel's determined to find her muse at the Matzah Ball, a Jewish music celebration on the last night of Hanukkah, even if it means working with her summer camp arch enemy, Jacob Greenberg. Though Rachel and Jacob haven't seen each other since they were kids, their grudge still glows brighter than a menorah. But as they spend more time together, Rachel finds herself drawn to Hanukkah, and Jacob in a way she never expected. Maybe this holiday of lights will be the spark she needed to set her heart ablaze. Doesn't that sound so fun? I'm definitely going to look for that one. Another one that Lindy recommended that I actually have sitting on my to read list is A Taste for Life. How the Spur Legend Was Born by Alan Ambor. And I think any South African has heard of Spur Steak Ranchers, people with a taste for life. And the guy who, who develops Spur has written a book. And he says that a steakhouse is a theater, of, a theater of the senses. And the opening act is the fire in the heat of the grill section, warming us, mesmerizing us, drawing us closer, igniting in us a hunger for good food and good company. This is the story my hands have to tell of the company they helped to build and the promise they helped to fulfill, the promise of a taste for life. Join Alan Amble on a rock and roll ride through the restaurant business and pioneering days of franchising in South Africa. Ambo's exuberance for life and exacting management style shine through on every page of this memoir of a man who went from being a hippie waiter to opening the first spur in 1967. It's older than me. <laughs> and growing it into an empire that included more than 500 franchises under the spur, Panerotti's, John Dory's and Rocco Mama's brand. And that sounds Fascinating. I think it's always interesting to know where the things that we're so familiar with actually come from. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading this one. It comes highly recommended. This is People of the Book, and I'm giving you some great recommendations for your holiday reads. I love it when you read to me. 
This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. You're listening to People of the Book, and I am giving you some great suggestions that have come in for your holiday reads, suggestions of, of books that people have enjoyed reading during the year. And the next suggestion, thank you, Karen Oshry, for mentioning what is has been a bestseller since it came out last month. And that is Scattling of Africa, My Early Years by Johnny Clegg. This was a much anticipated book. And I mean, it's cleared the shelves. I'm sure they've done a reprint since the first uh, printing that they did. And this is um, Johnny Clegg's autobiography in his own words. And it's described, it's, it's beautiful. I've sk- only skimmed through it so far. I haven't had a chance to sit down and read it properly myself. There are moments in life that are pure and which seem to hang in the air, unhitched from the everyday world as we know it. Suspended for a few seconds, they float in their own space and time with their own hidden prospects. For want of a better term, we call these moments magical. And when we remember them, they are cloaked in a halo of special meaning. For 14-year-old Johnny Clegg, hearing Zulu street music as plucked on the strings of a guitar by Charlie Nzile, Imzila, one morning outside a corner cafe in Bellevue, Johannesburg, was one such magical moment. The success story of Jaluka and later Savuka and the cross-cultural celebration of music, language, story, dance and song that stirred the hearts of millions across the world is well documented. Their music was a soundtrack to many South Africans' lives during the turbulent 70s and 80s as the country moved from legislated oppression to democratic freedom across borders, boundaries, and generations resonating around the world and back again. But less known is the story of how it all began and developed. And Scattling of Africa is that original story, as Johnny Clegg wrote it and wanted it told. It is the story of how the son of an unconventional mother, grandson of Jewish immigrants, came to realize that identity can be a choice and home is a place you leave and return to as surely as the seasons change. It's a very, very special book. And I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be reading that during this holiday season. So I also asked some of our very well-known high FM personalities what their favorite books this year were. Kathy Kayler mentioned a book that is just a modern classic, and it rose to popularity during the pandemic. And that is The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Mackesy. And I know Kathy has been buying this book for people that she loves and cares about, and it is an absolutely beautiful book written and and illustrated by Charlie Mackesy. It's, it's just Beautiful. It's got gorgeous sentiments in it. Um, you enter a world of these four unlikely friends, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse, and you discover this story and these amazing, important life lessons. It's It's been shared a million times online. I'm sure you've probably seen many of these, these pictures. They've been recreated by children in schools. They've been hung on hospital walls. People even stick them on lampposts and on, on restaurant, cafe, bookshop windows. And it's, and, and one of the, the iconic phrases from the book is love wins. 
And that's the underlying message of this book. And these are, it's a collection of Charlie's most loved drawings and his, his thoughts and his feelings, feelings and thoughts that, that unite us all. It is a modern day classic. It's absolutely beautiful. And as I say, love wins. And that's the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. And it makes a beautiful gift for people who you care about, which is what Kathy is doing. She is gifting that to people who she loves. The uh, There's a book that's similar to that, and it's called Big Panda and Tiny Dragon. And uh, it's also a gorgeous little book. It's it's actually based on, on a lot of Buddhist theory. Gorgeous book. Also a lovely gift book. Just as a, as a little side comment there, and Kathy recommended that one too. The other book that she mentioned was Speeches That Change the World by um, Simon Montefiore. And it's been updated and it includes a lot of, of new speeches by, I mean, I, I, I don't even want to start mentioning who's in this book. I don't want to miss anybody out. Um, it's, it's Obama's momentous election night victory speech, war cries from Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream and I've Seen the Promised Land speeches, um, Nelson Mandela's speeches from firstly at his trial in 1964 and then his speech from when he was elected president in 1994 and historic speeches from Elizabeth I, Oliver Cromwell, Napoleon, Lincoln, uh, Malcolm X, Gorbachev, Elie Wiesel, I mean, uh, countless others. This is, uh, it's got a little biography of each speaker telling why each speech is significant, what happened as a result. Fascinating book. And that, that was also Kathy's recommendation. Um, Howard Feldman, thank you for your recommendations. And as we mentioned briefly on your show the other day, The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tells that everybody is absolutely raving about. I cannot wait to read it. Um, best-selling author of A Gentleman in Moscow. And this one is a book about the iconic American road trip. And Again, it's a cultural thing. I know many South Africans often don't relate to these type of books, but for some reason, this one is just scoring points all round. It's based in June 1954. 18-year-old Emmett has been dropped off in Nebraska by the warden of the work farm where he's just served a year for involuntary manslaughter. His mother is long gone. His father is deceased. And... The, the family farm has been lost to the bank and his intention is to pick up his eight-year-old brother and head west where they can make a fresh start. But when the warden drives away, he discovers that two friends of his from the work farm actually hid in the trunk of the car, the boot of the car. And they've hatched a completely different plan to the plan that Emmett actually had. And it's the story is told over 10 days from multiple points of view. And apparently it's just the most incredibly told story of uh, the settings, the characters, the themes, just amazing. I'm looking forward to this one. I haven't actually seen or heard a negative word about it. So that's the Lincoln Highway by Amor Tells. 
the other books that Howard Feldman recommended were The Dictionary of Last Words and one that he owned up to reluctantly. You know what? If you're reading, that's great. It doesn't matter what you're reading. He reluctantly owned up to buying and reading and loving the new Jeffrey Archer book, Over My Dead Body, which is uh, number four in the series about Detective William Warwick. And, you know, Jeffrey Archer, he doesn't ever fail to disappoint, does he? So, Howard, read what you want to read. As I said to you, the haters are always going to hate. And if you are a Jeffrey Archer fan, good for you. Enjoy. Lots of interesting recommendations from our very own Rolene Marks. Thank you so, so much for these. And I think that these are something that I'm definitely going to look into because I hadn't read any of them. And I think I'm going to Take a quick break and we're going to quickly cover them before we wrap up. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. This is People of the Book and we are doing a wrap up of some of the most popular reads that people have sent in for what they've enjoyed during the year. And I was about to tell you what Rolene Marks recommended. Thank you, Rolene. Her first one was by Stephen Tyler. He of Aerosmith fame. Does the noise in my head bother you? Now, I mean, if you have followed Aerosmith and their rise, their fall, their rise, then you'll want to know, I mean, what, what, is, what goes on in his head? It's, it's very interesting. And this is something that I would, uh, apparently it's an addictively readable memoir told in the playful and poetic voice, uniquely his own. And he recounts his, as I said, the meteoric rise, fall and rise of Aerosmith over the last three decades. And uh, he tells what it's like to be a living legend and the front man of one of the world's most revered and infamous bands, the debauchery, the money, the notoriety, Fights, motels, hotels, elevators, limos, buses, jets. Books like this fascinate me. Um, and, and I, I, I'd love to read this. Um, she also recommended Is Resilience? What Israelis Can Teach the World by Michael Dixon and Naomi Bohm. And this sounds really interesting. From well-known leaders making life and death decisions to ordinary people who've overcome incredible loss to do inspirational things. Meet the Israelis who thrive against all odds and learn how you can too. This sounds so interesting. It's a study of a nation that has had to collectively and individually hang tough like no other country on earth. Each chapter of this book profiles a diverse, compelling Israeli personality, some famous, some not, but all exceptional, traces the characteristic that unites them all. The life lessons extrapolated from these interviewees can, can teach every one of us to be stronger people. It's written by a communications expert and Israel analyst, together with a pioneering psychologist in the field of resilience, research, and treatment. This sounds fascinating. That is, is resilience. What Israelis can teach the world by Michael Dixon and Naomi Bohm. And Raleen's last recommendation was, I mean, 
rolling the diversity. I love it. I just love it. Megan and Harry, the real story by Lady Colin Campbell. Campbell, the fall from popular grace of Prince Harry, the previously adulated brother of the heir to the British throne, as a consequence of his marriage to the beautiful and dynamic Hollywood actress and Suits star Meghan Markle, makes for fascinating reading in this new book from Lady Colin Campbell, best-selling biographer of Princess Diana, the Queen Mother and the Queen's Marriage. And she goes behind the scenes, speaking to friends, relations, courtiers and colleagues on both sides of the Atlantic to reveal the most unexpected royal stories since Edward VIII's abdication. And she highlights the dilemmas, the issues, what lurks beneath the surface. And she also reveals how Californian culture has influenced the couple's conduct. And it exposes how this royal couple tried and failed to change the royal system by adapting it to their own needs and ambitions. And when they failed, how they actually decided to create a new system altogether. That's quite fascinating. And Rolene tells me that coming next year is also a book from legendary journalist Tom Bauer and that Megan is already dreading it. So I'm looking forward to that one. For all you royal followers out there, that's something to look out for. Thank you to everybody who sent in their recommendations and made my show today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. I hope that you got some great recommendations for some awesome holiday reads. As I said, this is not the final show of the year. There is a show next week. I just thought, great time to wrap up. Give some people, um, give some great recommendations for what you can read um, for your for your holidays, for some downtime, if you're going, if you're staying. But whatever you do, Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Get vaccinated. The 12 to 17-year-olds are now able to get their second vaccines. Take them to get that jab. Wear your masks and read a book.